Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. to have a weekend away with my sister in Florida and so when she invited me you know I was like sure let me ask my husband and you know praise God for the man that that the Lord chose for my husband who you know just said yeah go it's wonderful you and your sister and so I said, yeah let's do it and so yeah we did it and but I didn't look at my calendar and when I looked at Sunday schedule I'm like oh shoot I'm supposed to preach to service, so I have to be back. And so that and I had to get up at 2.30 this morning to get on a 5 a.m. flight, and that just goes to show you how much time I need in the morning to kind of get myself together. Right? So we were on a 5 a.m. flight this morning, but it is all good. Um, I, I kind of thank you. <laughs> I really do believe that that you know what's stirring up inside of me. I really do believe it's the word of the Lord that's in me. You know, we were praying backstage, and I just felt the presence of God. And then we came out here and had such an amazing time of worship. And I don't know about you, but I just sensed the presence of the Lord. It was so deep and so tangible, you know. And and we just I don't know. My heart is open, open to God, and God, I just want you to use me. And that should be the desires and the cry of our hearts. God, it doesn't matter what. Just use me. I want you to use me to grow your kingdom. I want you to use me to share the good news of the gospel and to set the captives free. And I think that's what's stirring up inside of me. So I hope I get through this message okay. So we're going to continue our series in uh, Heroes of the Bible. And I know we took a little break. We had our anniversary service. We had some great uh, guest speakers. We were blessed by them last week. Um, but today we continue on our series. And today the hero that we're going to be speaking about um, comes out of the book of Judges. We're going to be speaking predominantly um, from the book of Judges chapter 4. We will tap in a little bit to chapter 5. Um, but the hero we're going to be speaking on today is Deborah. Deborah. Deborah was a judge. Deborah was the wife of a man named Lapidoth. And in chapter four, that's all it says about her husband. It just says that she was married and this was her husband. It says that she was a judge and she was a mother a mother to the people of Israel. So I would think that that would make her a very impressive person in a time and in an era where women were not recognized as leaders. Women took kind of like a back seat. They took the silent role. And here is a woman that we're going to be speaking about today who had a really powerful, impactful ministry. And so it just says that her husband's name was this. And so, you know, as I was studying, you know, uh, some, some 
people, you know, uh, as they ministered uh, through the book of Judges, they would say that um, her husband uh, was weak. And because her husband was weak, um, therefore God had to push the woman into the role. And this is by no means a message when it comes to women's live or women uh, being leaders in the Bible. This is not that kind of message. And trust me, I researched a lot and a lot of the messages that I was reading, um, you know, it kind of portrayed that type of a message, you know, the women have a role in the kingdom of God and women have a role in the church. And yes, that is true. But this message is not a message about uh, women and their roles in the church. This is a message about the people of God in the church. And this is a message that says, God says that we are all leaders in the house of God. Each and every person here has a purpose and a destiny. And it is God's calling God's calling that we are to pick up our mantle and we are to walk as the leaders of the word of God that he has called each and every one of us to be. That was who Deborah was. That is why she is a hero in the Bible. This is why she has been uh, called to the front lines. This is why there's a whole chapter about her, right? So questions today for us to ponder through this message. Am I making an eternal difference in the lives of those in my sphere of influence? See, because this woman was a woman who made an impact. She made an impact in her sphere of influence. She made an impact in a sphere of influence where a woman really shouldn't have had an impact. She really shouldn't have had a word. And this woman was there. It says that she sat under the palm of Deborah in, in, in Judges chapter 4. It says that she would, would, would sit under the palm of Deborah, a palm tree. Imagine that, a palm tree named after her. I don't know if it was named after her, but that was the name of the palm tree. And she would sit under this palm tree, and, and, and the people of Israel would come with their conflicts, and, and, and they would counsel with her. And she would give impartial judgment. And that's why she was so recognized. And this is why she received the favor of the people. So question number one, am I making an eternal difference in the lives of those in my sphere of influence? Because, you see, we should not be living for our story. But we should be pursuing to live out his story through our lives. That is what we should be pursuing as sons and daughters of Christ. And question number two, will I live consumed with the fear of man or will I live consumed with whom I am living for? Am I going to fear man or am I going to be obedient to what God is telling me or calling me to do? See, Deborah lived in a time where her voice should not have been heard. She lived in a time where she shouldn't have been a judge. She lived in a time when she shouldn't be walking as a leader, but this is who God called. And see, she wanted to be obedient to God. She wanted to sit under and be submissive unto God. She opens up her heart. She heard from the Lord, and she went forth with authority. Not God, not man-made authority, but God-given authority. In the last question, am I making my mark and fulfilling some humanistic purpose or is God making his mark through me? In other words, am I allowing him to accomplish his purposes through me? Ponder on that as we read the book of Judges. And you know what? Um, I wanted to read all of scripture, um, but it's a lot. Um, so I'm going to be um, just 
calling out some scriptures that we're going to be honing in on. And um, most of this is coming from the book of Judges chapter 4. So I don't know if, uh, you know, our, our, our sound guys can just, as I go through, they're going to pop up whatever they can. But we are going to be focusing on the book of Judges chapter 4. We're going to end with chapter 5. So I just want to encourage you to read it on your own so that you can really uh, grab hold of what's going on. So the book of Judges is the account of how Israel behaves between the death of Joshua and the leadership of the king. So, you know, Moses was the one who took the people out of slavery, right? He was the one who, who, who led them out of slavery, and they walked through the desert, and he led them. Um, and then through that time, you know, we, we all understand, right? There was a time where they were submissive, and they were obedient unto the Lord, but then there was a time where they became, they became impatient. And so, you know, they, they, they kind of turned their backs on God. They turned their backs on Moses, and so things had to happen. And so now Moses leads them out of slavery towards the promised land, but when they enter into the promised land, it's not Moses that takes them in, right? So Moses' generation is no more. Now Joshua is the one that's leading them, and they're in the promised land, and again, you know, they're, they're, they're faithful while Joshua is leading, but the minute that their leader is no more, then they turn from their ways, and they're snared into worldly things, and so um, they're, they're in this, you know, uh, they're not loyal to the Lord. Um, they need someone to lead them. So they kind of stray away from God. First, they're obedient unto the Lord. Then they stray away from God. Then they become oppressed, right, by, by those that they, they submit to. And so when they're oppressed, then they start to cry out to the Lord. And so they cry out to the Lord, and then the Lord delivers them. And so, let's see, I'm jumping all over here, but that's good. <laughs> want to make sure I capture everything in the little bit of time we have. All righty. So in a nutshell, the book of Judges tells us how Israel turns from God and serves idols. God turns Israel over to the oppressive surrounding nation. Israel turns to God and cries out for help, and God raises up a judge to deliver them. So in a nutshell, if you really want to understand the book of Judges, um, at least the beginning portion of it, you want to read Judges chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. I'm just going to read that real quick. It says, The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunders, who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had spoken and as the Lord had sworn to them, so that they were severely destroyed. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. So the period of Judges is a dark era in Israel's history. The book shows how persistent Israel is in forgetting the Lord and how faithful God is to discipline and then to deliver his people. And so now I think we're ready to dive into why Deborah. See, Deborah, she was willing to listen to God. She was able to listen to the still, small voice of the Lord, and she was able to communicate what God was sharing with her. She was able to communicate to God's people, and she did that without any fear. Um, she remained faithful to God even when there was overwhelming circumstances. She was faithful unto the Lord. So she is, um, I believe she's the fourth or the fifth judge in the book of um, Judges. Um, and she's known 
uh, to be a lot of the scholars uh, speak about her and they say she was a charismatic leader and you know what when you study there are words that kind of leap out and you need to understand the fullness of what this is uh, trying to tell me and so I looked up what exactly is a charismatic leader or what is charismatic leadership look like so it is basically the method of encouraging particular behaviors in others by way of eloquent communication persuasion and force of personality charismatic leaders motivate followers to get things done or improve the way certain things are done this is accomplished by conjuring up eagerness in others to archive a stated goal or rather to achieve a stated goal or vision in essence the charismatic leadership style has its basis in a form of heroism the leadership style is almost of divine origin so she was a wife, as stated in verse 4. She was a prophetess, also stated in verse 4. And this is the interesting thing, because all through the Bible, if you combine the Old Testament and the New Testament, it only states that there were nine women prophetess. From the beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the end of the New Testament, if you tally up how many women are mentioned in the Bible that were prophets, there's only nine of them. And Deborah was one of these women. And it also says that she was said to be a mother to the people of Israel. And then in Judges chapter 5, you know, it's, it's a very poetic chapter. And this is something that she wrote. This is a song that she and Barak um, uh sang together. Um, so as a judge, she was a highly respected figure in the community and people sought her out to settle their disputes. You see this in uh, Judges um, 4 verse 5. Her leadership gift also served to unify the nation and lead them to war against the Canaanites and gave Barak, the army leader, the military strategy to win the battle. So this is what's happening, right? In Judges 4, um, we already know, we've established that, that this woman, Deborah, she hears from the Lord. So she's very intimate with God. And because she is so intimate with God, I would dare to say that the image of God was before her. And so when she spoke to the people of God, the people of God knew her to be intimate with the Lord. And they respected her walk with God. See, in those times, judges were not appointed by men. No one anointed them. No one laid hands hands on them. No man said, you are proclaimed to be this. No. Judges were anointed and appointed by God. And the people kind of just submitted to that because they saw that this person, this individual, this judge had a relationship, deep relationship with God. And so Deborah calls out for Barak, who we've heard is the, the leader, the commander of the army. And she's telling him, you know, hasn't God told you what you have to do? He's to go to war. I want to read a little bit here. The beginning of, of Judges 4, the first verse, it says, again, the, Israel's, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Right? And so chapter, uh, verse 2. So the Lord stole them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan. So Barak has to go. He's heard from the Lord already, but now Deborah's telling him, hasn't God told you that you are to go wage war against Jabin, king of Canaan, right? And so um, he's supposed to go and fight Sisera. You see that later on, in uh, actually, in, in verse 2. He's, Sisera is the commander of his army, uh, of Jabin's army. Um, and so Barak 
has to go and wage war against Sisera's army. Now, Sisera has an army of 100,000 soldiers, military men. And it also says that not only is his army one of 100,000 men, it also states in scripture that he had 900 chariots of iron. And so iron is kind of moving us, right? Um, it's almost like, I don't know, moving us from AOL to Gmail. You know, that's how good it was, right? So um, uh, they, they were going from the Bronze Age into the Iron Age. And so Sisera's army had 900 iron chariots. And so iron was like invincible. And so now uh, Barak is being told by Deborah, you have to go fight this war. Hasn't God already told you this? Um, and so you are to go, and she kind of lays it out. This is how you're going to do it. And so... Um, you know, he's going to go and he's going to fight this battle. And all he has is uh, uh, an army of 10,000 men. So he has a tenth of what Sisera has. But yet he's going to go. But see, he tells uh, Deborah, he goes, okay, um, I'm going to do this. You know, I submit to the calling of God. You know, I, I know that what you're telling me is from the Lord. Um, and so I'm going to go to battle. Uh, but here's the thing. The only way I'm going to go to battle is if you come with me. And so she says, okay, I will. And so if, if you think about it and if you read a little about it, there are many who would say that Barak was a weak man also because, you know, oh, he needs this little woman to go with him to war. Really? You know? But see, Barak understood that Deborah was a woman of God. He understood that the word of God dwelt within her. He understood the authority that she walks in in the word of God. He understood that Deborah was a woman who heard instruction from the Lord and this woman spoke with authority because she knew who the deliverer was and so Barak understood because he was a good commander in chief he understood that if I'm going to wage war against an army of a hundred thousand men then what's got to lead me is the word and the spirit of God and the word and the spirit of God was within Deborah and so he said to her I'm going to do this, but you have to come with me. And so she says, okay, she goes to war with him. And so this is the interesting thing is that she could have very well said, you know, um, I don't know how to wage war like that. You know, that's your job. You know, I think I would be better off if I stay behind. I'll pray you through. I'll continue to hear from God. I'll send you a message or two as the Lord um, uh, instructs me. But uh, she did it. She went with him. And I want you to see, this is a partnership. This is leadership at its best. And that's what I want us to take away from this, you know, leadership. Good leaders know how to work together. Good leaders know how to pull from one another the best of each other in order to accomplish the common goal. And the common goal is to win souls for Christ, to share the gospel with those who need it, to set the captives free, to win the battle, right? And so... Deborah and Barak knew how to work together. And uh, the commentary in Matthew Henry, I, I want to read it because I think it, it really describes what leadership and teamwork is all about. 
It says, see how the work and honor of this great action are divided between Deborah and Barak. She as the head gives the word, and he as the hand does the work. Thus does God dispense his gifts variously. So each and every one of us has a special gift, a special anointing, a special calling, a special purpose. Each and every one of us individually. And that's a powerful thing. But just imagine when we all come together with all our God-given talents, with all our God-given authority, with all our God-given leadership, we come together. How much bigger, how much greater, how much more. Yes. Can we win yes. for the Lord? Amen. So the team subdues their enemy into God's hands. See, Barack knew his strengths. Barack knew what he was capable of doing. But Barack also knew the strengths of Deborah. He also knew what Deborah was capable of doing, but so did Deborah. Deborah knew what Barack was capable of doing. Deborah knew what his strengths were. And so together they came together and they did something amazing, right? And so um, it's interesting because as the Lord speaks to Deborah and begins to tell her what she's going to instruct Barack to do and how they're going to do it, right? So they're going into battle, 10,000 men against a hundred thousand and they're going up to the uh, up to the mountain of Tabor and, and and then God says you know now uh, when you see Sisera and there's a hundred thousand men out there with their iron chariots you're just gonna come down and you're gonna attack right and this was crazy because they didn't stand a chance um, and so he kind of knew that, that in my, in my own strength, I don't stand a chance but if this is the word of God then I'm gonna submit to the word of God and so I just have to find it. In Judges uh, chapter 5, um, chapter 5, verse 20. So this is Deborah speaking, you know, in poetic form and song. And chapter 20 says, from the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Syria. See, they were outnumbered. They didn't have iron chariots, but God had spoken. And God said, from the heavens, the stars are going to fight for you. The stars are going to do it. They're going to help you in this. See, God Almighty knew already what they needed to win the war, and he was going before them. And he had said, Deborah, you go, you tell Barak, this is what he needs to do. Barak needed to submit, and they needed to hold down to that and so they won this war because what happens is as they began to wage war they're coming down and Sisera's army is there then God opens the heavens and it begins to rain and then there's mud on the ground and guess what happened to those heavy iron chariots right they began to sink in the mud therefore allowing Barak and his army to defeat them Amen. And you know what's interesting in this story is that, yes, we're talking about Deborah and Deborah being a heroine, but there are three heroes in these, in, in these two chapters, right? We have Deborah, who we're speaking of mostly today in her leadership abilities, but there was also Barack, right? Barack was the, uh, the, the, the leader of the army, and he knew how to submit to the one that was um, uh, being told by the Lord or instructed by God, right? But then here's the thing, that because he didn't just take the word and said, okay, 
I'm just going to do this, right? He said, I'll do it only if you come with me, right? And so there's a little bit of disobedience there, right? I'm going if you go with me. So yeah, in one hand, it's great because he recognizes that there's authority in the word and that word is in Deborah, right? But when God speaks, you don't need any man to go before you. When God right. speaks, you go. Right. You know? You go. Um, and so because he hesitated a little bit, see, God tells him, um, you're going to go to battle, and uh, you, the war's going to be won. You guys are not going to be defeated. But guess what? Sisera is not going to, you know, you're not going to be known for, for, for winning, see, because the head of the one you're fighting against is going to be delivered to another woman. And that woman was a woman, Jael. Jael was a housekeeper, you know, she was in her tent. Um, and, and, and if you read further on into, into scripture, it shows you how Jael was the one who put a peg mm -hmm. in the head of man against the enemy and killed him. So it was a three-team effort. Okay, there was teamwork, there was collaboration. Deborah and Barack are great examples of what collaboration looks like. See, um, collaboration means to work together with another person or group in order to achieve or create something. And so as the body of Christ, if we're going to be achieving um, our full potential, then we have to have a new revelation. And there's got to be more teaching regarding working together in and for the kingdom of God. See, collaboration is not about giving up your individuality. It's about realizing our potential, realizing the potential that each and every one of us has and taking that potential and maximizing as we come together and um, we put everything together. And so collaboration is about bringing your many gifts to the table and sharing them in pursuit of a common goal. It's about bringing your ideas, your passion, your mind, your heart, your soul to your leadership and your culture. See, all of us here have a sphere of influence. See, Deborah was a wife, she was a judge, but she was also a national leader. And she accomplished many things, you know. And, and if we read the story, if you go home and read the story, you know, we have a lot to learn. She was an effective leader. And so I want, I'm running out of time, so I just want to touch on four characteristics of what an effective leader looks like. And I'm going to be using the example of Deborah um, as, as we speak on this. So the first one is Deborah led when times were difficult. You know, oftentimes, you know, we get put into ministry, we get, you know, wherever it is that God has places us, and either people don't accept you, or people are not receptive, or you don't know how to do it, or you're intimidated because somebody does it better. Um, and so the first thing, as human beings, the first thing we want to do is revert. I'm out of here. You know, I'm afraid to fail. I'm not even going to try. I'm not educated enough. No one taught me how. Um, no, you know, uh, they're not appreciative of me. I'm out of here. No one said thank you. They didn't mention my name. I didn't show up on the video. Blah, 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 right? We retreat. But Deborah rose to leadership at a dark time in Israel's history. Israel was in decline. It had fallen away from God and was in need of a deliverance. Judges 4 verses 1 through 3 declare the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They cried to the Lord for help. Deborah says in Judges 5 7, 
Village life in Israel ceased, ceased until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. And let me tell you something, there are Deborahs in this room right now that need to arise. There are Baraks in this room that need to arise. You know, we are so afraid of failure. We are so afraid of not being accepted that we retreat, we retreat, we retreat. And you know what, as Robert said uh, earlier while he was doing communion, you know, life is but very short and tomorrow is not a promise to any one of us and what a shame it would be that we would make it to the gates of heaven and that we would be like fat little pigs because everything that God has deposited in us stayed within us and nothing was shared and nothing there was no outpouring in anything so she led when times were difficult. Deborah arose when Israel needed new leadership to stop its fall. She did what great leaders do, and that is to grow strong and step forward when times are difficult. The second characteristic was that Deborah spoke with authority. Leaders are subject matter. We're subject matter experts within our spheres of influence. Leaders that value bring solutions and speak with authority. And as believers, we're called to be knowledgeable in the subject matter of the scriptures. We are called to know the word of God. You cannot speak with authority until you know what you're speaking about. You know, when I was in school, uh, my classmates would laugh, right? Because if I, you know, we do presentations and, you know, we, we were in teams or whatever, and, um, you know, even later on at work, you know, they would say, you know, we know when you know something really, really well. And I'm like, why is that? Because you speak with authority. You speak very loud, you know? <laughs> uh, when I wasn't so sure, I was meek, you know? Kind of stay in the shadows, okay? I don't need to be exposed here, you know? And that's the same way it is with, with, with the gospel. You know, you cannot walk in the authority. You cannot walk in the fullness of the word of God if you don't know the word of God. Because how do you go out and defend the word of God? You know, a lot of people go out and they defend the word of God by sending people to hell. You know, repent or go to hell, repent or go to hell. How about Jesus loves you? He That's gave right. his life for you. Right. He wanted to clean you of your sin. You have a second chance. A lot of people won't come to Christ because they feel they're so messed up. They're so deep in sin. And we don't know the promises of the word to give them, to pull them out. It's good. It's good. Deborah was affirmed in her leadership. See, leaders are magnets. Good leaders draw people to them. So you can't consider yourself a leader and be like a bulldozer because people are gonna run from you. They're gonna run from you. A good leader, you can attract people. So you respect people, you love on people, you are humble, you're a servant. A leader is nothing more than a servant. And if you walk around with a title, you know, and you're like, oh, high and mighty, and I've got this title, and my title means that you get to serve me? No, you got it all wrong. Right. Because the title of titles was Jesus Christ is Lord, and he put on a towel, and he washed the feet of men. Right. So Deborah didn't have to fight her way up the organizational ladder. She was summoned by God and listened to this. She was affirmed by her followers. The people affirmed her. 
and she led by example. Deborah, Israel's leader, called Barak, Israel's military commander, and introduced him to attack the army of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who was oppressing Israel. Barak agreed to go and fight Jabin's army, but with one condition, and that condition was that she would go with him. You see that in Judges chapter 4, verse 8. And see, her reply was, yes, I'll go with you. So she led by example. She knew she wasn't a warrior. She was no battle commander. And she could have easily said that she would be a better use by remaining behind, but she didn't do that. She submitted and she went. And together, they achieved the impossible. So I want to close, referencing a little bit in the book of Judges. See, again, this is a poetic song that she and Barack wrote after they won the war. And it demonstrates Deborah's leadership approach as she and Barak sing about their victory over the Canaanites. And this is the thing, see, first and foremost, she praises God. You see it in uh, verses 2 and 3 in Judges uh, chapter 5. She praises God first. Then she praises the Israelite warriors in verse 9. And then she even praises Jael in verse 24. And then she goes on and she scolds the tribes that failed to join the fight. She rebukes those that failed to fight, those that wouldn't answer the call of God. So this is a woman who gave credit to the Lord. She didn't achieve, she didn't want credit for herself. She gave first and foremost credit to the Lord. Then she gave credit to the team or the people of God. Then she praises others and encourages them to ongoing service and development as leaders. I want to encourage each and every one of us to continue in our pursuit to grow. Don't give up. If you get it wrong, it's okay. You know what failure is? It's a person who failed, didn't learn anything from it, didn't get up, didn't dust themselves off, didn't pull up their pants, you know, big boy, big girl pants, put them back on, and you continue the fight. We continue to press on. We're not always going to get it right. You may not get it right the first time. You may not get it right the second time. You may not even get it right the third time. But we don't quit. We keep on going because if God is for you, who can That's be right. you? And greater is he who is in us than he who is out of the world. And if he calls you, he equips you. He equips. So she praises others and encourages them to ongoing service and development as leaders. And she didn't want to take any credit for herself. So what is our takeaway here today? Our takeaway should be great leaders make others great. They are willing to go out and serve others so that others may be lifted. A good leader knows how to give credit to their team and is not intimidated by it. If your team does better than you, then praise God, you've right. a good job. Right. If you don't get the accolades anymore, that's a good thing because the accolades you receive is when you see someone you're discipling, someone you're pouring into, and they're spreading their wings, and they're flying higher than you have the accolade that they get. You know what? They, that's my DNA. That's right. And there they go. Fly, soar. Because when I'm not here anymore, I want to know that everything that I poured, that God has poured into me, I leave behind in somebody else. That's right. 
And a good leader knows that when things go well, it is our effort, our effort when things go well. But you know what? When things don't go so good, a good leader knows how to take a bullet for the team. It's not on you, it's on me. We take responsibility. Deborah understood this. She understood that what her, what she and Barack was doing was an us moment. It was a team moment. They had put themselves in a position to hear from God and they moved accordingly. And so I want to end with the same questions we started with. And we can just ask the worship. Oh, there you go, lady. Look at that. Yay! Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> so these are the questions we started with and these are the questions that we want to end with and as the worship team takes us into a moment of worship I want us to start reflecting you know this was a woman who um, she shouldn't have been a leader we shouldn't be talking about her because in her season in her era she was not supposed to be a leader she was not supposed to have a voice she was not supposed to be who she was against all odds. Barack, a man who obviously heard instructions from God the first time but got it wrong. And yet God is a God of second chances. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.